Hi kids. Do you know, I wonder what the best party that you have ever been to was. Maybe it was, if I can get this to light, your birthday party. Or maybe it was Christmas party. For me, it was my wedding. It was awesome. I wonder what you liked about the party. Was it the guests that came? The food you ate? Maybe the dancing that happened? Or the decorations? Do you know, Jesus describes our life with him forever like a party. The best party in the whole world. The best party the world has ever seen, ever will say, seen, and it goes on forever. Some of the last few words in the Bible talk about a big banquet. That's a place where you eat loads of food and celebrate. And they're celebrating Jesus and Christians being together forever. And that's us celebrating with him. But celebration isn't just something we do when we get to heaven, uh, when something in the future. God loves it when we get excited right now and celebrate the stuff that he's done, is doing and will do in the future. You know, this celebration and God inviting us to do it lots sounds brilliant. But you know, sometimes it can be hard, especially if we're not feeling that happy right now. Say you're getting bullied at school, or you're not feeling very well, or someone you know is having a hard time. The last thing you feel like doing is having a party. You know, God doesn't say those things don't matter. He wants to hear all about them. He sits with us and listens and cries with us. But the Bible says we can always find something to find joy in. And that something is God himself. In our sad times, we know that it's not the end. It's not, we're not always going to be sad. There's a time coming when Jesus says there'll be no more tears. Celebrating life and all God has given us is one of the ways of showing that we trust Jesus and his words for the future. It shows that we're following him and celebrating helps us get stronger to face really tough days too. There's a verse in a book of the Bible called Nehemiah and it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. What it's meaning is that in tough times, we can still rejoice in what Jesus has done. We can still be happy about what Jesus has promised us, the fact he loves us and cares for us. So even if times are hard, it helps us keep going. So today I want you to plan a celebration for you and your household. I want you to decorate maybe, select some music, make nice food and plan to give thanks to God for all he's done and is doing and will do. You can also celebrate with each other the good things that happened over the past week. Perhaps you could share a few things that you'd like to celebrate. For example, were you learner of the week? Did you get a star or a special certificate in assembly or swimming or a badge from Cubs? Perhaps your family's bought something new that you're all enjoying. Well, you can celebrate it and celebrate the fact that God has provided it for you. And then finally, why not say one thing that you like about each other? And you can celebrate that that's the way God has made you. 
I am really looking forward to seeing the pictures of your parties on the Parents at Portswood WhatsApp. So make sure you take lots of pictures of your fun and games and post them this week. Thanks, guys. Imagine uh, for a moment uh, some images of the way that Christianity is portrayed maybe in the media or in books. It's not always portrayed in the best light. For me, I think of desperately serious families that never have any fun or Charlotte Bronte's picture of the cruel Christian orphanage where a child dies after being made to walk in the rain. For you, it might be cold, dark churches with some kind of terrifying person of authority or people punishing themselves or others with feelings of guilt and shame in the name of an un, uh, kind of unkind and angry God. Today's focus is the spiritual discipline of celebration. And this is certainly a discipline I want to be a part of. It sounds much more fun. Making space in our lives to find joy, to find the joy in celebrating and encountering Jesus in celebration. You might be surprised to hear of just how much of the Bible is full of parties and festivals. God even added into his law festivals, three of which were a major week-long parties. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the clearest representation of we, of, that we have of God to us, practice celebration. In fact, he was accused by those he sucked the life out of God's words of being a glutton and a drunkard. Do you think Jesus was fun to be around? Could you have a laugh with him? Would he come to your birthday and start some kind of crazy games? I think undoubtedly. <laughs> As Christians of all the people, we should have the mark of laughter and joy in our lives. If you're of a more melancholic nature, this discipline is probably especially for you. But it's a discipline we all need to be reminded of and practice. It's really easy to slip into negative thoughts. Jesus' teaching on God's kingdom, coming and fulfilment is always featured with aspects of joy and celebration for his followers. His birth was announced with the words, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Jesus announced his kingdom as good news. He said things like, happy are the poor, the grief stricken, the hungry, the hurting, the broken. The king is here, rejoice. He started his ministry by announcing something called the year of Jubilee. It was one of God's laws of celebration, not a day, not a week, but a year of celebration, celebrating God's goodness, faithfulness and love. The title Year of Jubilee referred to the practice found in the Old Testament where every 49th year God commanded a sort of reordering, a levelling or redistribution of wealth and position. It was intended to prevent the accumulation of wealth in the hands of the very few. Something we know much about today where the rich are getting richer while we know the poor are becoming more and more enslaved to debt. In Jubilee, slaves were freed, debts were cancelled, land that had been sold or possessions to pay debts were returned, including people themselves who'd been sold into slavery. 
God pressed the reset button, as it were, in Israel. The sad thing is, we don't know, have any records of whether this actually ever happened, whether they, God's people ever managed it. But when Jesus came, he announced the reset button had been pressed. The process had begun, an ongoing year of Jubilee. The restoration of the world, as it were, back to its original programme. As Jesus continued to teach on what this factory reset looked like, he painted pictures, not of sombre face folks singing dreary songs and floating around on clouds, but of banquets. Yes, that's right, another party. <laughs> you know, we created by God to enjoy life, to enjoy God and his creation. And part of our worship is enjoyment of him, celebrating who he is and what he's done. That's why when we pray and sing songs of adoration and remember who God is, we come out feeling happy. In Revelation, the Holy Spirit and the bride, that is Jesus' as followers, the church, cry out to others, come, come join the celebration, come join the wedding feast, the reunion or union of God and people once more. Come receive what you're most desperate for healing and love to the depths of your soul. It's free, totally free. The people of God enter into the city of God, a picture of being in a place where God dwells. And Jesus' followers rise again to enjoy his presence and all the blessings he gives, the earth and all its goodness. As followers of Jesus, we're invited to celebrate and we invite others in too. But not just in the future, now. All the spiritual practices we've looked at over the last few weeks are about creating space for us to find God, waiting to be with him in that space. Celebration is a natural result of these practices. Jesus said our joy would be complete when we obey him. Just like he obeyed his father, it was the joy that was set before him that enabled him to endure the cross. When we make space for Jesus, we begin to overflow with the fruit of the Spirit in us. And as we read elsewhere in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit is firstly love and then joy. Peter, Jesus' friends, you'll remember him. He's the guy who saw Jesus glorified like a dazzling Daz advert. He writes to some of the first believers and followers of Jesus who found themselves in the most desperate circumstances. Persecution, discrimination, displaced from their homes, often penniless, rejected by community and even family. Peter wrote to them very seriously. He said, though you have not seen him physically, that's Jesus, like I have, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, brackets, you will later, you believe in him and are filled with what? an inexpressible and glorious joy. Then he goes on to say, for your receiving, it started already the end result of your faith or trust in Jesus, which is the salvation that is the complete factory reset of your souls. This joy is what enabled them to keep going, those early believers. This joy is what we experience as we live love-driven, obedient lives to Jesus. In the New Testament, Paul, another writer, wrote continually of his joy 
Joy, joy, joy is all over the place in the midst of troubles. And he writes the Philippian church with these words of command. He doesn't give them an option. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. He wasn't saying rejoice in everything, even evil things. Rather, in everything, no matter how bad it is, guys, there's a reason to rejoice. And that reason is Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. What he's done, doing and will do. In Israel's history, we read about when the people returned to Jerusalem after being defeated by the Babylonian Empire. For 70 years, many of them had lived in servitude to their captors in foreign lands, and their temple city was completely destroyed, reduced to a pile of rubble. As a new superpower emerges, these people are still not free, but they're given the, re- the option to return to their land, where they begin to rebuild with hope in their hearts of what God will restore a future glory of their power and position. We read how they set about rebuilding the temple and the walls in that city, how they celebrated with the little they had, sharing it with others. Their celebrations lasted for days on end as choirs sang and musicians played and people processed processed through the streets, declaring the words of God that were read to the people. And once again, they pledged their allegiance to him. But in the midst of celebration, some wept because things weren't really restored. The temple was nothing compared to what it was. People weren't fully following God. And the walls were still, let's face it, a mess. And they were still subject to another kingdom. God had not yet fulfilled his promises to restore them. There was still stuff to do and they were definitely not quite there yet. They were looking to something much better. In all seasons, the people of God are called to live as if the fulfilment of promises are here. Right back in Exodus, You might remember when the people were freed from Pharaoh, they went into the desert and one of the first things they did was dance and sing in the desert. The whole community, led by Miriam, who took a tambourine and went crazy. They celebrated leaving their past lives, but they also celebrated that they were going to the promised land. As Christians, we don't yet see the fullness of God's kingdom. We see glimpses of it. We live as ambassadors for it. We practice life sharing our possessions, caring for the poor, working for justice, seeing people set free. We tell others about God's love and invite them to come to this celebration. But in all of it, we're not there yet. But the joy of the Lord is our, as it were, superpower. It's our strength. It's the thing that keeps us going as we look towards God's ultimate kingdom and the complete factory reset. Do you feel today maybe like joy is hard to come by or life sucked it out of you maybe? Well, the discipline of celebration could be part of the answer. Celebration helps uh, the other practices that we do remain life-giving, not life-draining. It drags our attention back to the goodness of God and his creation. Richard Foster writes, Celebration is a conscious decision to choose to think about and live in a posture 
of thankfulness. I'll say that again. Celebration is a conscious decision to choose to think about and live in a posture of thankfulness. Thankfulness focuses our minds, it stops us becoming consumed by ourselves and our needs and it guards us against ungratefulness. Today, do you feel like you need Jesus to reset you? Do you know you need a fresh start? If you're following Jesus already, do you think you might have lost sight of the future or just your thoughts maybe have drifted elsewhere? Today, like any other day, you can begin again. Jesus says, come. The church says, come. For the first time or again for the seventh, eighth, ninth time, a life with Jesus is what you're invited to. When we begin to live this way in his kingdom, in the midst of this other one we find ourselves in. This is our final destination, the home country that's coming. It's simple. Jesus is asking again today, will you follow me? And all we have to do is say yes. So let's just take a moment now to pray together. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want a factory reset today. I want to know you. I want to start over with you. I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. Please forgive me. Teach me how to forgive those who've made mistakes in their treatment of me. And Jesus, from this day forward, I want to follow you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Begin the transformation. Fill me with your hope, your joy, your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that today, there's celebration in heaven. And there's celebration here too. Oh, can I encourage you to let others know so we can rejoice with you. You know, what a God we serve. Who else is like him who invites his people to eternity of celebration? Amen.